Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. How many of you, like me, would say that you absolutely love GPS? Anybody? Anybody besides me? (laughs) Y'all are a sad bunch of people. I love GPS. I love GPS because, to tell you the truth, I didn't like maps. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about right now. Map. What is a map? Anybody remember back in the day when you were going to go on a trip, you would take out a a paper map? And then you had to pick a highway? How do you know if that highway is any good or not? How do you know if there's any tolls on that highway? How do you know if it's the fastest route? See, you don't know, right? You don't know. And so one of the things I love about GPS is all you have to do is type in said destination, right? And then just do what it says do. How many of you are like me and want to argue with GPS? Anybody? Anybody want to say, I'm not turning right here. I know good and well if I just go down. Anybody? (laughs) But how many people know that if you really, if you do what GPS says, it's really easy. It's really simple. Because here's the key. Without GPS, intentions, intentions may be really, really good, but direction, not intention, determines your destination. Like, it got quiet in here, didn't it? Let me say that one more time. Y'all thinking on that? See, he said, what? Intentions may be really, really good, but direction, not intention, determines our destination. And I think the very same thing holds true spiritually as well. Intentions are good. Intentions are really, really good. But intentions are not enough that will help you to get to the spiritual destination. Now, hang on, because some of you are really confused about what your spiritual destination is. And it's okay. It's okay, because I think the church has kind of misled people. Like we've said, you want to give your life to Jesus so that you won't go to hell when you die. Hello? Anybody here want to go to hell when you die? I'm just checking. Like, I've never had anybody in all these years ever raise their hand and go, oh, yeah, it's awesome. Take me a little copper tone. I like to tan. I've never heard anybody say, hey, we all want to go to heaven, but listen, here's, here's for me as a pastor, here's what I want you to get. And I hope that we can work through this this morning. I hope that somehow God will take these thoughts and he'll use them to be able to, to encourage you, to help you to understand that heaven is not, it's not all there is. It's awesome. It's an awesome part of salvation, but there's more to Jesus than just having a place to go when you die. Now hang that thought on close line of your minds for the next few minutes and let the Holy Spirit blow on it. That was good, wasn't it? I got, I got that. From, they didn't get it either. Uh, there was an old black preacher years ago. He had a way of saying it with power and umph, you know. I had nothing. But I tried, right? So a guy named Paul, who, by the way, had the most amazing experience with Jesus. And when I say amazing, I mean like, no kidding, it was an over-the-top 
experience. Those of you that are brand new to church, Paul, or the great apostle Paul, as he's known by many, just so you know, he was the enemy of Jesus. Y'all got that? You taking notes? He was the enemy of Jesus. Now, when I say he was the enemy of Jesus, I don't mean like he didn't dislike Jesus. You know, I don't like Jesus. Now, I mean he literally hated Jesus. Now, when I say hated, that's not really strong enough either. Because he hated Jesus and followers of Jesus so much that he did everything he could to be a pain in the side of every follower of Jesus that he could possibly be a pain in the side of. In fact, he wanted to see followers of Jesus literally die, and he watched one man that we know of for sure die, and it thrilled his soul. He was an enemy of Jesus. Now, here's, this is really important for you religious people to understand. He wasn't an enemy of Jesus because he wasn't religious. In fact, he was super religious. In fact, he might have been one of the most religious people of his day. He was an avid student under the top Jewish teacher in Jerusalem. I'm just saying, this is important. He wasn't anti-God. He was just anti-Jesus. He wasn't anti-rules and regulations. He was anti the Ten Commandments, which we have to, that's, yay God, right? I mean, we got some guardrails, we got some laws to live by, yay God. But he believed that the teachings of Jesus went completely against, they violated the Mosaic Law. So he didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He did everything he could to totally stamp out Christianity. But he was religious. Super, super religious. First mention of Paul, well, then he was known as Saul. <laughs> and you don't think the Bible's interesting. So a guy that started off, his name was Saul, and then he changed it after he gave his life to Jesus. They changed it to Paul. Y'all having fun yet? Just pay attention to the story. Pay attention to the story. So his name is Saul in Acts 7, and as he's watching his fellow Jews stone this follower of Jesus named Stephen, I was just talking about that a few minutes ago, I just want you to know that he was an aggressive, an aggressive persecutor. I, I wrote that, and I think it's funny. He was an aggressive persecutor of Christians, especially in Jerusalem. And so he sought and received permission from the high priest to go to Damascus for the sole purpose of imprisoning more followers of Jesus. Now, if you were a follower of Jesus, you would have said, Paul is a bad man, and he was. He would hate you, hate you. He would hate what you stood for. He would hate the Jesus that you followed so much that if he could, he would be thrilled at the opportunity to watch you die. I'm just saying. But it was while he was on this Damascus road that Paul, well, then he was known as Saul, was knocked off of his horse by this really bright light that literally, literally blinded him and, and this, this is the true story. You just have to read about it. I mean, it's, 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 we're in church, and so you'll just look at it and go, oh. But he literally heard the audible voice of Jesus come from that bright light. Y'all out there? I mean, you know, we in church, we, we say, Christians, we say this all the time, God spoke to me. But most of us, I was going to say we hope. I, I don't want to use that term, but most of us aren't hearing an audible voice. Hello? 
So it's, it's an intuition. It's a feeling that we have. Sometimes God speaks directly through his word, and we hear it. But it, Paul heard the audible voice of Jesus. In fact, the audible voice of Jesus said, Paul, what are you doing persecuting me? Dude. Now, he didn't say dude, but he could have. Why are you persecuting me? So Paul, right there on the spot, like totally surrenders his life to Jesus. Wouldn't you? I mean, I got a friend, every time I think about Paul's conversion, I think about a, a friend of mine who would say, I want to believe. I want to believe. And if, I know that if, if God spoke to him, if Jesus spoke to him in an audible voice, I know that he would believe. And so Paul heard this audible voice, and he 100% believed. And then he spent literally the rest of his life telling people, Jesus, I, listen, I was wrong. He is the Messiah. Like he, he, is, he was God's son. He is the Messiah. He was the one that we've been looking for all these years. I'm, I'm not kidding you. He, he came to fulfill the law. I, I thought he came to break the law. He wasn't breaking the law. He was fulfilling the law. And listen, I heard his voice. I know he's alive. I know he's alive. He spent his life telling people that story. So Paul, who was once the enemy of Jesus, after he experienced Jesus, became a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And he's been writing this letter to these, this little church in, in Rome, which was a mixed bag of, of Jewish and Gentile believers. Now, if you're brand new, you maybe you missed first week. So who are Gentiles? Y'all help me? If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Does that help you? <laughs> we complicate things. That's like the Greer version of that. There's probably another fancy guy out there that wrote a book that tells you a little deeper. But that's pretty much it. And so Paul said, listen, I want you guys to have a solid foundation for your salvation. Because he said, I know where you Jews come from because I, that's me. I was a very devout Jew. And I, so I believed in God. I was anti-Jesus. And here's the thing. Here's what I want you to know. The law is good, but the law is not the way to God. And we all came up short, right? So it's not Jesus plus the law. It's not Jesus plus the law. It's just Jesus. Then he looked at these Gentile believers and he said, I want you to have a solid foundation for your salvation because you know what? You've been living with no hope. You thought that the Jews were God's chosen people. You thought you were nobody, that you didn't have any value. And what I want you to know is that you are valuable to God. And he wants a relationship with you every bit as much as he wants a relationship with those of us that are Jews. And so Paul just, he's been telling people, he's been telling people in this little letter to Romans, he's been telling people that, that we're just all sinners. You can be religious and lost. You can be not religious and be lost. He just says, you know, it's not that some of us are sinners and others aren't. He said, no, we're all, and, and this is my definition, we're all as lost as a ball in high weeds. High weeds, that's deep. Think about that. That's, that'll make you smile just a little bit, maybe. We're always lost as a ball in high weeds. But God provided a way. He, prov he provided a way for us to be forgiven and made right with him. And just so you know, the way was God's very own son, Jesus, who shed his blood on the cross to pay the penalty for all of our sins. Now, that's like a really, really sloppy, cliff note version of Romans 1 through 11. You're not going to find that in the commentary, I promise you. And so for 11 chapters, Paul's been describing God's mercy and his grace and his provision. 
And then he gets to chapter 12. And then he gets to ch chapter 12. And for me, as I'm reading through the book of Romans, when he gets to chapter 12, I think it's, it's like he says this. He's like, okay, okay. So I've told you all about the mercy, the grace of God. We're all lost, but there's God provided a way. Yay, yay God, yay Jesus. And then he, like, he gets to chapter 12 and he says, okay, but here's what's next. Here's what's next. And some of you, you've walked in here this morning, and really, you've been struggling in your walk with Jesus because without knowing it, you've said, you know what, I don't, there's something, I'm missing something. I don't know what it is. And I, I gave my life to Jesus. I really did. And I prayed the prayer, and I was sincere, and I gave my life to Jesus, and I go to church, and we attend worship service, and, and I pray, and I give. I do all, But it seems like there's something missing. And Paul would say, you know what, there's more to it than salvation. There, there's more to it than just you're going to escape hell and you get to go to heaven when you die. And that's pretty good. That's pretty awesome. Paul said there's more to it than that. And that's what, for me as a pastor, I just so more than anything in my heart, that's what I want you to understand. Salvation is not the destination. Your journey isn't over. In fact, I would say that your journey has just begun. So here's the question. Here's the question I think that a lot of you are asking. So what's next? Where do, where do I go from here? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do now. And be careful because you'll kind of get into this thing of, well, I've got to read my Bible. I've got I've to pray. I've got to do these things. And all that is very true, but it'll become mechanical and you'll miss something. You'll miss the relationship. Your intentions will be good, but you won't be clear on what the destination is. So Paul says this, and I use in chapter 12, so I'm going to use a couple different translations. I'll probably mess with you a little bit. I just like this one because I'm from Greer, and I just think it's awesome. So other translations will say, therefore. Therefore, because of everything that he said in the, in the previous 11 chapters, you've got to go back and check that out. That's what the therefore is there for. But I like this because Paul starts off, he says, and so. Don't y'all see that with some attitude? Come on, do you feel it? And, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. And this, oh my gosh. You've got to understand why he says plead with. This is not a commandment. It's not in the imperative in the original Greek language. It's not in the imperative. In other words, he's saying you better. He said, I plead with you. I beg you. I implore you. That's awesome. Because whatever it is that he's about to ask us to do, is something that we do voluntarily. Because if you get mechanical with it, it, it won't get you to your destination. Your intentions will be good. Your intentions will be good. Box checked. Read my Bible. I prayed today. Box checked. Went to church on Sunday. Box checked. I served. I served two services, the 9 and the 11. Check. Check. Pat yourself on the back. God owes me a special blessing. And you will miss the destination. So he says, therefore, <laughs> thought I'd change up, do a little trans different translation. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And that word offer or present as it's used in other translations, it literally means, it literally means to place beside. Now, right, who cares? Well, it was used in the Old Testament of a, of, a, of a worshiper that was placing his sacrificial animal on the altar 
as an act of dedication to God. And I can already hear, you know, animal rights people, ah, you can't do that. Animals have rights. All but cats. I'm just saying. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm It's not a cat person. I don't know what else to say. I got nothing for you. So here, here's the idea. Here's the idea. So the idea is, let's say you're a farmer. Let's say you're a farmer, and you've looked at your life as a farmer. You've spent a year, and you're reflecting back over a year, and you look at your life, and you think, wow, I mean, I've had an incredible life. I've had an incredible blessed life as a farmer. My crops, my crops have been like, whoa, I've had a bumper crop this year. I look back and I think, God, give me the right rain at the right time and the sunshine. And everything just went together and I've got a bumper crop. Then you look at your herds and you, you look at your cattle and you look at your sheep and you go, wow, they're reproducing. And I have more and God has just so, so blessed me. And you look at the material things that you have. And you think, wow, I wouldn't have any of this if God hadn't given the rain at the right time, if God hadn't blessed me here at the right time, if I didn't have this at the right time. But then you go beyond that and you go, and my family, oh, my gosh, my family, my family have been protected this whole year. My kids are, my, are healthy and strong. You look at your relationship maybe with your spouse and you go, wow. I mean, we have the relationship that we do, Karen, and I know that we have the relationship that we do, not because we're awesome people, but because we serve an awesome God who has just blessed us. And he, he's led us and taught us how to do this thing called relationship and marriage. And then, and then most of all, this is the most important, this farmer would look back and he would say, in spite of all that, I'm a mess. I mean, I'm, I'm just a mess. And I failed God, but I want to thank God that God has provided a system for me to have my sins forgiven. And so, and so these people, this, this farmer, these folks, they would... They would then they would go to the tabernacle. At the entrance of the tabernacle, they would, they would bring an animal. And that animal could be a bull. Maybe it was a really wealthy farmer. Maybe it was a sheep, a goat, a dove, a pigeon. And they would bring the animal as a whole. And they would, they would give it and they would say, I'm going to relinquish my right. It's, it's mine, but I wouldn't have this if it weren't for God. And so out of a grateful Heart, I'm going to offer this so that its blood can be shed for the atonement of my sin. And I could use it for my own selfish wants and needs, but I'm not. But it went beyond that. It went beyond that. It would say, what this animal represents is my life. This sacrifice is going to represent me. So in a similar way, God asked us to offer him our bodies. Now, you're probably thinking, Lord, why in the world would you want this body? You're probably thinking, you know, I've kind of wrecked it with all kinds of abuse. I've eaten too much. I've eaten way too much. I drank way too much. I smoked way too much. You fill in the blank with smoke whatever. This is Springwell. It's okay. So you go, And you know what? I've done all the right things too little. In fact, I haven't exercised at all. And so you may look at your body. You may think, why, why, would, God, why would God want this body? I'll tell you why. Because it represents you. It is you. But I don't have any value. You do to God. But I'm broken. Not to God. God wants to make you whole. Are you with me? 
So God said, I, I just want you. I want your eyes, your brain, your mouth, your hands, your feet. I want what your body represents. All I ever have wanted is just you. It's just you. Don't try to impress God with what you're going to do for God. He says, all I want, I don't want all of those other things. I just want you. And why would we do such a thing? Well, he says, in view of God's mercy. That's why. We would do it in view of God's mercy. And this is really super, super important. I'm just asking the Holy Spirit right now to somehow use these words. Because you've got to get this. It's not to pay him back for what he's given us. Now, that's a natural response. I get that. I know how I felt. When I finally brought God my life and I thought, Lord, it's not much. I mean, I really, I'm a mess. I'm broken. I'm a broken mess. I mean, I'm, I've got all kind of junk I've got to work out. I don't know why you would want me. And so then after that, you know what? I just wanted to somehow, like, do for God. I wanted to give back to God. I wanted to serve God. I wanted to do this. And I wanted to do it all for God to show my gratitude. But here's the thing. You're never going to be able to reimburse God for what God has done. How are you going to, how are you going to reimburse that? How are you going to impress God? What can you make on your best day in craft class? And then at the end, take it and say, ha, what I did. If God were really honest, and he's a loving, merciful, kind God, he'd go, are you kidding me? Watch what I can do. And you'd go, I got nothing. Here's the danger. Here's the danger. The danger is this. Even though your intentions are good, the danger is you're going to get on a performance treadmill and you're going to continue to try to do one good work after the other to pay him back for what he's done. And here's the thing. It's never going to be enough. How, how are you going to pay him back? And you're going to realize that. You're going to say, how? I mean, God, he gave his life. I mean, like Jesus gave his life. He died the most tedious death. They beat him almost to death. He would have never gotten that to that point if he hadn't been betrayed by the people that loved him the most. People literally screamed, crucify him, crucify him. You trust that all the way back and you go, wow, how do I repay God for that? And you're going to be on a performance treadmill for the rest of your life and it will never be enough. The destination... As God is saying, I, I just want you. That's all I've ever wanted. You're saying, but I'm broken and I'm a mess. And he goes, I know. I know. I'll take your brokenness. I'll bring healing to your life. And he'll say, I, but I don't deserve. And he'll say, I know. I know. But it's my free gift. And all I want from you is you. That's all I want. So back in the day, they would... <laughs> Every time I read this, I smile. <clears throat> back in the day, I wrote this myself. I didn't get this from a commentary. You'll be able to tell. So back in the day, <laughs> they would offer dead sacrifices. I thought, well, that was brilliant. What kind of sacrifice do you think they offered? You know, like they cut the throat, and I don't have any blood, but there's a chicken running around. I mean, I don't, I don't know. You, how do you see my mind? I, I am a sick, sick man. But here's the thing. 
That makes perfect sense that a sacrifice was, was dead. But here's what he says. He says, I want a living sacrifice. I want to I live in sacrifice. You know what the problem with the living sacrifice is? It can crawl off the altar. And that's exactly what we do, right? So when God looks at your body, he looks at the sum total of those parts that make up your body. And so, so maybe we get to understand that and we say, you know what, my, my, my biggest struggle is my mouth. My tongue gets me in more trouble than anybody. Go ahead and raise your hand and set yourself free. Hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about? How many times have you said, you know, if I just shut up, if I could learn the value of shutting up, but I can't do it. I just can't. Uh, I may have the right. I just don't have the ability, and so I just keep on. What you do is you say, you know what, here's the thing. I want to offer my tongue. I want to put it on the altar. It's a part of me, and God, what you want is all of me, and so I'm going to make sure that I lay my tongue on the altar, and everything is good until you go to work on Monday morning. And then your boss, that person you work beside, did something, said something, and you said, hang on just a minute, Lord. Get that tongue back off that altar, and then you use that tongue the way you want to use it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, nobody here, but you know other people at other churches that do that. Now, how about our eyes? Guys, am I going to get too close and personal to us? And I say us. I'm no different than you. Are there times when you say, you know what, Lord, I've, I've let my eyes look at things and, and my mind, when I look, my, my eyes see things, my mind starts to wonder and it starts to drift. And, Lord, I start to think about things that I know aren't pleasing to you. And how many times have you said, you know what, Lord, I, what you want, is, you want my eyes, you want me to be careful on what I see and what I look at. And everything's good until you're cruising through the Internet and there's that word, there's that thing, there's that picture. And then, bam, you find yourself somewhere and you went, oh, gosh, I took my eyes back off. It's a living sacrifice. I took my eyes back off the altar. Maybe it's your feet and you say, you know what, I'm going to give my feet to you, Lord, because I know my feet take me places I shouldn't go. And to tell you the truth, my feet take me places I shouldn't go that makes me look at things I shouldn't see. And then therefore, I'm, So I'm going to give my feet. And everything goes good for a while, but then you know what happens? You take your feet back. And then your hands, you say, Lord, I want to give you my hands, these hands, Lord, that you gave me. I want to give my hands to you, but then you pick up things that you shouldn't see. And then you say things you shouldn't say. Y'all with me? Presenting our bodies as a sacrifice is a decisive act at a point in time where we say, not based on performance, because of the mercies of God, because of the mercy and the grace and the goodness of God, we say, Lord, you, you, pay, you, pay, you paid the price for me. And so, Lord, what I want to do is I just want to give to you Everything, Lord, I want to give you me. I want to give you me, all of me. And all of me represents all of these different pieces. They make the, they're the some parts that make me who I am. And I want to give everything I am to you because you know what, God? You deserve it. You just deserve it. It don't belong to me anymore. You bought it with a price. And that a attitude is something that must be renewed. I wrote daily. I, I, that's, that's not true. It's not daily. It's, 
it's moment by moment. I wrote that too, moment by moment, second by second. And sometimes we go through the course of the day. If we're honest, hello, anybody out there besides me that you know through the course of your day, you're constantly saying, oh, God, you've got to protect me. You've got to help me, Lord. I want to be faithful. But, Lord, in this moment, if you're not, if you don't show up, if you don't empower me, and, Lord, it's not, it's not my body anymore. It's not these parts. They're yours. And I have to, moment by moment, second by second, muddle through my day. Trying to figure out how do I completely give you all that I am. Because that's the destination. It's a fully devoted follower. That's, that's the destination. He says, I want to know that you love me. Not because you're checking boxes. I love, I love my wife. One of the things I love about our relationship is I love it when we serve each other and we do things for each other. Not because we're checking a box, but because we want to. I think she came in the room, I think it was last night. She said, you know why I came in this room? I said, you got to go to the bathroom? I know. She came and said, just, just to give you a kiss. I said, all right. You want to stay a while? Y'all with me? If that, was, if that was a box to check, if, it was, if, it, if I said, you have to come in here every 30 minutes, what good would that be? It's a choice that she makes. Then he says this. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And then he uses a word that freaks out church people. Holy. And he's like, oh, ugh. Holy? Ain't nothing much about me. Holy? It means to be set apart. That's what it means. And so that's, that's your goal, see? That's the directions that you have. Is okay, Lord, now I get it. This is not about me. My hands are not for me. My, my tongue, my ears, my brain, my feet, they're all, my fingers, all of this is for you. And so I realize that what I do every day is I give this to you in a way that will be, that says, pleasing to you. And you think, well, he's asking too much. He just wants you. That's all he wants. He just wants you. You know why? Because he's crazy about you. He's crazy about you. He loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And when I finally got that through my thick head and hard heart, it's, it's radically changed my life. Then Paul adds one more thing about this sacrifice. He says, therefore, and so. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And then here's, here's where the commentators just like go nuts. Which is your true and pop, proper worship. So another translation, another translation reads, which is your spiritual act of worship. So it's interesting. There are two Greek words that are used here. And the first is a Greek word that can mean, this is really important, that can mean reasonable or spiritual. Reasonable or spiritual. I like, I like reasonable better. <laughs> Why are y'all looking at me like that? You think I should say spiritual, don't you, because I'm a pastor. I like reasonable. Reasonable makes more sense to me than spiritual sometimes. I go, ah, let's just talk about what's reasonable, God. And there's a second Greek word that's used. And it can be translated either service or worship. Now, churchy people, we want to lean toward worship. 
Yay, let's talk about worship, right? And so really, these two words can mean a couple of different things. And so if you just go home this afternoon and Google it, and you'll watch commentators go crazy. They'll go crazy. One will be arguing for service, another will be arguing for worship, and they'll just be going back and forth. They'll be talking about context. They'll lose you with all kinds of Greek and, and culture, and you'll get lost in the, in, the, in the minutia of it all. And then you'll come and you'll say, well, what, what do you think it means, pastor? And I will say, I think it means both. I think, what, I think Paul's intention, and when I say Paul, I want you to know that I believe with every fiber of my being that the Holy Spirit was whispering in Paul's ear and he was telling him what to write. And I believe, because I just see this, see this in my head, because I'm weird. I just see the Holy Spirit say, saying, you know, write this, and Paul's saying, really? Like, that's the word you want me to use? Because you know that word can be, can be translated two different ways. And I can see the Holy Spirit. I really can. In my head, I see the Holy Spirit just smiling and saying, yeah, I know. Write that word. And then, and then he said, then he told him to write that second word. And, and I, same thing. I said, Paul's going like, really? Like, this is, of all the words we have, and you want me to use this word? It's very ambiguous. It can mean a couple of different things. And I think the Holy Spirit, I just do. I think he had a smirk on his face. I think he said, yep, just write that word. You know why I think he made it that way? So that we would struggle. And say, you know what, maybe you're wondering, what it, Scott, what do you believe? I believe it's not either or, I believe it's both and. This is what I want. Now, the whole worship thing, you have no idea. I mean, we call this a worship service, right? And we worshiped a few minutes ago, didn't we? Some of y'all were faking it. I mean, you look pretty good. So y'all doing, you getting your Jesus on. I mean, it was. Now, some people, there are technical people who would say, well, that's technically, that's not worship, that's praise. And I usually look at those people and go, why do you want to spoil it for the rest of us? So here's my point. My point is I think that the church has done a really bad job of helping you understand what worship is. So as followers of Jesus, for too, way too many of us, our worship is just coming to church on a Sunday morning, singing a few songs, putting a little money in the bucket, putting a little money in the bucket, putting a little money. <laughs> just kidding. And we can certainly, and we certainly should come to church to worship, but that's not the thrust of this passage. That's not what he's talking about. He says, you know what? You know what I want you to do? I want you to be fully devoted to me. So that, so that. When you show up at work on a Monday morning, that you walk and you talk and you act like me. And so when certain situations happen and when things happen that everybody else is getting frustrated and angry over and when there's talk at the water cooler, I want, I want you to, you're going to be different. You're going to be different. You know why? Because you're fully devoted to me. You've given me your life. And, and so you know what? Here's the thing. So when you're at the grocery store or when you're pumping gas and you see somebody frustrated that you have an opportunity at that moment to use your voice, to use your mouth for me, and you can speak truth into that person's life, it's only for a split second, but you can tell them that they matter, that they matter to God, that He loves them, that He's crazy about them. It's just being God's people wherever we are. 
Sometimes I almost think the worst thing we do is meet on Sunday. Oops, don't tell anybody I said that. I Take that offline. Because I'm afraid that we've led people to believe that this is all we do to worship. It's not. Because you don't know, you've misunderstood, you're, you're confused about the destination. The, def, the, the destination is to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. So God is asking some folks this morning, as followers of Jesus, in light of all that I've done, will you present your body completely to me? Some of you have been stuck. Come on. Hello, come on. You've been stuck. And, and, and maybe it's not your fault. You know what? You just didn't, you didn't know. You thought, man, I'm going to heaven. Yay. And I'm, I'm excited. I don't have to worry about going to hell. I heard that sermon, and hell's hot, and it's real, and I don't want to go. You're exactly right. I'm with you. But there's more to it than that. You get to walk with Jesus every day of your life. Listen, walk to, you get to walk with him. You get to talk with him. He'll talk back. He'll talk through his word. He'll speak to you. He'll speak truth to you. <clears throat> in, the most, in the most beautiful, wonderful ways, he'll speak to you. He spoke to me on a beach, whispered in my ear, and he said, Scott, I love you. I turned. I literally turned to see who was there. That's what he wants for you. How you get there? By daily sacrificing, by daily surrendering every part of what makes us who we are. That's the direction. That's your GPS. Today, am I giving him my hands, my feet, my mouth, my eyes, my ears, my brain? That's how you get there. Some of you may have never surrendered your life to Jesus. You're not in the family. And maybe the reason that you're not is that you just didn't know. You had no earthly idea how much Jesus loves you. You didn't know that God was so crazy about you that he decided to send his son. You just didn't know. You thought it was about rules and regulations, and it was about the Ten Commandments, and it was about these things, and you can't do this, and you've got to stop doing that, and you've got to walk over here, you've got to cut your hair a certain way. It had nothing to do with it. It has absolutely nothing to do with it. It has to do with you understanding the incredible love of God. In fact, here's what Paul said. The great apostle Paul, Romans 10, he said this, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never, ever, not ever once be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives, who generously, who gives generously to all who call on Him. For everyone, every single person who will simply come to the point where they go, wow, the story is amazing. The gospel story, it's amazing. And God, my only reasonable response, I think I have the easiest job in the world. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, like, why would you not want to give him your life? Why would you not want to? Maybe you don't have enough evidence yet. Maybe you're still looking for an experience. But from a logical approach, why would you not want 
to give that kind of God, love and merciful, kind, generous God, why would you not want to give Him your life? doesn't make any sense, does it? So hear this well. If you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. Okay, what do I do? Blabber mouth, tell me. It's believing the right stuff. That's part of it. But it's more than believing the right stuff. It's more. It's an attitude of surrender. Y'all with me? Not just to escape hell. Not just to get to go to heaven. Because of all that God has done for you, is to say, it's my only reasonable response is to give your life to Jesus. So if you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. No one's looking around. <clears throat> Maybe you'll pray a prayer or something like this. You'll just simply say, God, I get it. <laughs> the only reason I get it is because you've given me an understanding. So I humbly come to you. I don't know why you'd want me. I'm a broken, messed up piece of a broken person. But you say you want me. So I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. And right now, to the best of my ability, I'm just surrendering my life to you. And I want to be a fully devoted follower. And I'll just have to work on that every day. And I won't even be able to do that without your help. So thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Oh, so rich. It's not just full of facts. It's your, it's your spoken word to me. Lord, we have so much fun. We're together. And you speak. And Lord, maybe it's not an audible voice, but boy, sometimes it is so close. I thank you for the relationship. I cherish it, Lord. I know I'm a living sacrifice, and sometimes I climb off that altar. But Lord, it is because of all that you've done for me that I have the desire to crawl back on it. Thank you for your patience. We love you. It's in your sweet name.